Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast, where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your co-hosts and cybersecurity experts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, and Randy Bryan. Is that an actual live studio audience? It is. We have a live studio audience with us today. Amazing. AI version of it. One in your house, one in my office, and one in Andre's office. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to the show, everybody. Another week, another litany list of cyber attacks and ransomware attacks and all good stuff to bring you up to speed on and educate you around these events so maybe you can take some of our advice and our insight and do things better in your own life and in your company so uh as we do this podcast every week it is free but we do ask that you pay the fee and the fee is simple you share the show or you rate us and give us a review on your favorite podcasting platform it's that simple if you help us out if you help other people uh, discover this show. Uh, it helps us, but it also helps them uh, get educated and help protect themselves around things like cybersecurity, ransomware attacks, and business email compromise, which are guys, things that are, you know, traumatizing businesses on a daily basis at a high rate. And I don't think people understand. So we're going to get into it today and talk about some different government entities, colleges, um, schools, uh, cell phone providers, uh, tech companies, all these types of companies are all on the target list for these hackers. And they've successfully managed to do something this week to these businesses. And we're going to get into it today, starting with colleges and schools across the U.S. dealing with ransomware incidents and cyber attacks. And God, we talk about this all the time, guys. Um, schools are just schools and universities, especially K through 12 schools, uh, just absolutely 100 percent getting killed out there uh, in terms of cyber attacks and ransomware. And I don't see I don't see a whole lot of, you know, people doing much about it, quite frankly. Um, the article that we looked at the record <clears throat> And that we looked at and that I have shared up on the screen right now. Thousands of students at several U.S. schools started the week feeling the impact of ransomware attacks and other cybersecurity incidents. And the list goes down here. And if I, I can just scroll down on the article so people see it instead of looking at a bunch of desks. Um, I got to find it, though. There it is. So we got Bluefield University. Um Pencrest School District, which is actually by me, um, Nashua School District in New Hampshire. Um, this is all just this week. Um, West Virginia, Bridge Valley Community and Technical College. Um, what do you guys? What are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, we, we've obviously talked about this at length multiple times on this show, um, and, and I just, you know, outside of the universities, that's one thing. But K through 12 schools, I mean, that's just a big concern for me. Um, the fact that these schools, I think a lot of them, quite frankly, are under the 
they're, they're under the wrong impression. They think they have good cybersecurity. I think they're learning very quickly that they don't. Yeah, the, there's no coincidence. You know, this is May for most places is the last month of the school year here in Florida. My, my kids are done at the end of the month. So this is the best time because you got finals coming. Um, you have all the tests and things like that. And um, you want to put pressure, as much pressure as possible um, when the timing could be only the worst. You know, if this was the middle of the school year, no big deal. Ransomware attack. Let's fix it. But end of the school year, you know, people are ready to graduate. Last thing someone wants to hear is I spent the last five years of my uh, life here and now I can't finish my master's degree uh, because the systems are down. So this definitely puts a lot of pressure on the university, the administration. And um, this is not the first time. And the FBI has given so much warning on these um, these K-12 institutions and colleges that you guys got to, you know, they are taxed, like specifically coming after your your industry. You guys got to do better. And um, unfortunately, another one bites the dust. Yeah. And, you know, most of the school districts, I would say, in the U.S. are, are what we would call smaller. You know, something like the L.A. Unified Independent School District or whatever they're called, you know, that's gigantic. But, you know, like here in my little city, the the school district, you know, maybe has 5,000 kids. I don't know even if, if it's that many, but let's just say ballpark that. And I can think of within, you know, within 20 miles, probably mm-hmm. 10 other school districts that are even smaller than that. Some may be bigger, but, uh, but bottom line is most of your school districts are used to having like a help desk staff you know, maybe they do have like a director of IT, but their whole job has just been, you know, like getting people on the Wi-Fi and keeping the students out of the Wi-Fi when they're not supposed to be and making sure the computer lab computers are going and all that jazz. Bottom line is most school districts are not equipped to handle this. And we did have what about a year and a half ago, the government um, released about I think it was what was it, 800 million dollars for governmental organizations to fight cybersecurity. I know here in Texas, that's working its way through the system. And starting in September of this year, they're going to start doling out their their portion of that, which I would assume is, you know, 10 or 50 million at the most, probably. Um, bottom line is they're ho- horribly underprepared and, and are not even thinking about, it seems like, um, the consequences here. That's a good perspective because I was about to ask, you know, why? I mean, I've talked to a lot of superintendents in in New Jersey. um, And a lot of them think that they have good cybersecurity. I think they're good. And, you know, obviously the, the person that I am in the position that I'm in and the number of businesses we've assessed over the years who, quite frankly, you know, I tell businesses all the time now when I meet with them, we're going to find something on your network, regardless of how good you think you are. We always do. And I say that with a thousand percent confidence. Um, I've never been proved wrong ever since I started stating things like that. We always go in and find something that can be improved. Uh, and that's why it's important, you know, that we stress to have a cyber risk assessment. But when I hear people say to me, and I, I don't know, I'd like to get your perspective on what your reaction is, but when somebody says to you, 
we got things handled or we're good. Like in my brain, it goes, well, you're probably just ignorant to the fact <clears throat> that you don't have all the information or you're, you're ignorant to what is needed to really protect yourself because there's no way. And, and this is probably the cynic in me, but I'm looking at this person saying, there's no way you're good. Like we, cause just because I always find stuff when we do these cyber risk assessments. So I think you're just seeing all that play out. It's, <clears throat> do you guys think this is, you think this is driven from maybe all the things I'm about to say, but do you think it's driven from budgetary concerns? Do you think it's driven from just, they don't under, they don't understand this stuff well enough to, to really give themselves a, a good, good enough assessment like that. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to, how to answer or word, you know, kind of the question I'm posing to the two of you, but really like, it's, it's not a, my point is, what is it? Like, what is it? Do you think it is? It's driving this thought process, but it's not just these superintendents and these, these deans of these colleges. It's regular business owners too, who, who make the same mistake. And I would like to get to the bottom of why you guys think that is. It's simple because it's never happened to them. And, and because they're in this bubble that, oh, I've been using computers all my life and nobody's ever hacked us. Nobody's ever hacked me. I, you know, this is, we're too small for this. Or why would someone want our data? Like who cares if they get school papers or whatever? So I think that's the mentality that it's never happened to them personally. And because of that, they have this, you know, untouchable feeling like, you know what, the hackers are thinking of bigger people than me or whatever the case is. Yeah, I would agree. And it's kind of to answer your question directly, Brian, um, I think it's all the above. I mean, we're super busy. Everybody's super busy. Do, specifically, a small to medium sized business owner. I mean, they're usually so busy, they just stick their head in the sand. They're they're like notorious for sticking their head in the sand about about things. It's not that they don't really can't know or don't know how to know. They're just like, they're so busy. They just kind of just put their head in the sand and just move on. I think from a, from a school standpoint, there's some awareness that's going on. Um, they are starting to talk about it at like teachers conventions and things like that. They'll have a section on cybersecurity. Um, I just don't feel like they realize how grave the consequences are. And you kind of touched on this. I think, I think it was Andre that touched on it. When a, when a school is breached, that information, let's say K-12, we're talking people that are underage. Um, so they can't go out like, you know, as themselves and go get a credit card. But those numbers can be used to open credit accounts in their name or to get things rolling, get things started. Like there's so much juicy stuff that can be made into money by criminals when they get information out of a school. So they're, they're, the schools are, are like for a criminal is a prime target. It's a great place to get uh, information that can lead to them making money, which by the, by the way, the article says 22 K through 12 school districts that we know of so far this year have been uh, had ransomware. Yep. And, and it's causing schools to be closed. Um, but it's also going to cause 
property, like like in the case of Pencrest or a school in New Jersey, it really depends on how your your state or your county collects to pay for the schools. A lot of it's through property taxes in the United States. I mean, most schools are funded through property taxes in the U.S. Some states, it's not that way. But this is going to start trickling down to the homeowners or the, to the taxpayers at the end of the day. Um, and somebody's going to have to pay for this stuff. Somebody's going to have to pay to clean it up and somebody's going to have to pay for the prevention to make sure it doesn't continue again. So a lot of, a lot of challenges that face this particular industry. Uh, and I'm just say, I'm just saying if we really want to move the needle on this, the federal government needs to get involved at a higher level than just putting out maybe, you know, a brochure with a cybersecurity plan at the beginning right. of the year. That's my thought. I mean, lawmakers need to start moving on this, need to start providing funding, need to start educating superintendents. Look, the F, it's amazing to me. The FBI knows exactly what the threats are, how to stop them. Yet here we have the government over here with the education system not bringing the FBI to these people and saying, like, here's the stuff you need to do. Like, here's a checklist. Go do it. That seemed pretty simple to me. Well, well, our next article is going to show that it's not that simple, apparently. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right about that. So, yeah, moving right along, um, our own government, uh, speaking of the FBI or the Department of Justice, uh, they had, we and we covered this on the show, they had a breach um, back in, I guess it was January or February, guys. I think it was February, right? Yeah, February. Um, that, you know, we talked about it. We touched on it lightly because it wasn't a big deal. And B, there wasn't a lot of information about it. Um, but now they're basically coming back and saying that they're still recovering from this February ransomware attack. Uh, and it's affecting more systems than just one computer that they used uh, for basically tracking fugitives. Um, they said that they were still able to conduct their operations, but this did impact uh, their ability to uh, pro provide surveillance capabilities that track fugitives, according to a person familiar with the matter. Uh, the group operates 29 field offices in the U.S. and Mexico and uses high-tech methods to track fugitives. Um, I mean, I don't know how great I feel about this being attacked by cyber criminals. Thoughts? I mean, yeah. I mean, when I when I read this, when we covered it before, I probably mentioned it, but I read this and it looks like a targeted attack, probably. You did mob, say that. You did say, you did yeah. say that when it, it happened. I do remember you kind of, and I brushed it off as like, nah. But you <laughs> kind of did say, like, you know, with your conspiracy theory, you know, self there. You you did. I do remember you specifically saying that this could have been like the cartel trying to like get rid of information. Yeah, or maybe they've got either someone that's about to get caught or somebody that got caught. And, you know, they're trying or there's maybe maybe there's right uh, information that is uh, 
that's there they want to get rid of. I was just thinking to myself, like, just go in and delete the stuff. You got to really, you're actually going to deploy ransomware on top of it and try and make money. Like that, that's just, but that goes right along with these cartels you're talking about. Yeah. And maybe that's also could just be a cover. Who knows? I mean, but, but short story long, that's what I think of first when I, when I read this. Um, yeah, that is kind of how my brain works. I look at angles um, and look at, you know, how could this have happened? Why were they doing this? Um, but short story long, here we are. What, what are we looking at? Like uh, March, April, May, we're coming up on three months and they're still being affected by mm -hmm. this uh, by this outbreak. And actually, that's fairly normal to still be dealing with ransomware three months later. So one of the things in the article is, um, real quick, uh, is that the FBI, it's a weeks-long recovery process, which is amazing, right? So um, let's talk about, like, can you guys educate our audience on, like, how long it really takes to recover from ransomware, just quickly? It could, it, it could actually just take, it could take months, but first you have to figure out how did they get in, right? You have to make sure that the, the hole is plugged. And then once the hole is plugged, then you have to see, um, check your log file, see what type of data did they, what type of data did they get and have access to. And then from there, you have to make sure that the malware or whatever um, attack that's that's going through the network, make sure that stop. So there's a lot of intricacies that, that goes along with that. And then weeks long uh, recovery process, you know, could also, you know, just tell you that they didn't have the telemetry they needed to rebuild these systems. Right. You know, and that's, that was the interesting thing that stuck out to me. It was like, wow, the U S marshals actually had to like basically rebuild their network from the ground up. And that's something that I, that I bring up to business owners all the time. And I don't know what your guys' experience has been when talking about incident response with, you know, your clients and, and prospects and people that you talk to about this stuff. But I have had business owners like challenge me on the fact that you would have to like buy all new hardware and stuff like that to recover from something like a ransomware attack. And right. I try to explain to them like the current state and what you have right now doesn't allow you to collect the information that's needed for somebody to come in and say, yeah, this system is clean. So you're left with two options at that point. You can wipe the system and, and take your chances on the same hardware and hope that, you know, what Randy loves to talk about all the time, like, you know, kernel level, like hardware level malware isn't installed on that system, which is certainly something that you have to take into consideration but on top of that, like you're, you might not even have that option if what Randy always talks about comes true. You're going to have to get new hardware because you're not fixing that. Right, Randy? Yeah, yeah. Specifically a, a BIOS level infection um, where it's, you know, it basically at that point has root of root. And I know that it's not, you know, officially called BIOS anymore, but, you know, that's the kind of like the brain of the brain of the computer and yeah and if they can get into that it doesn't matter what you do to the hard drive you can wipe it you can install windows you can install linux they still have they still have root of root no matter what so yeah you end up having to get a whole new machine at that point 
So just to kind of give everybody a little bit of insight onto this article, uh, the affected computer system held law enforcement sensitive information, including the personal information of subjects of Marshall Service investigation and Marshall Service employees, Wade said in his <clears throat> February 27th statement. Um, the FBI had to move to contain malicious activity on part of its computer network earlier in February as well. If you guys remember us talking about that as well. So this kind of reason I bring that up is because here we have the U S marshals and we talked about it then, and we're talking about it again. You see that the stuff that we warn businesses about on a regular basis on this show are happening to what I think people would consider to be the gold standard in security for, you know, if, an, uh, you know, would you agree with me on that? Like if a business owner had an FBI agent walk in and started talking to them about cybersecurity, they probably wouldn't question their authority. Right. Right, right or wrong. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's how I look at this. It's like, wow. It's like, you know, what most people and I, you know, I might not have share that opinion. I'm just saying what most people are going to think of U.S. Marshals and FBI when it comes to cybersecurity, they're going to put them on a pedestal um, and they're not able to protect themselves either. So what makes you think you can, right? And I think that's, that's another lesson learned out of these types of situation. It's like, wow, if if they can get attacked, then I could probably get attacked too. (laughs) Yeah. And they have the resources, they have the the knowledge base and they're taking three months to recover. So what about your business? The difference between them and you is they're not going out of business. Right. (laughs) Yeah. They're just going to take more tax money and continue to operate. You don't have that luxury. So there may be some criminals out there that, that gets to uh, walk free for a few more days too. Yeah, Yeah. That too. So, all right, guys, moving right along. Our friends over at T-Mobile. Wow. Um, geez, they are just not they, – they can't keep – they can't stay out of the news. I guess that's the way to put it. <laughs> uh, T-Mobile discloses a, dec- a second data breach since the start of 2023. Uh, T-Mobile disclosed the second data breach of 2023 after discovering that attackers had access to the personal information of hundreds of customers for more than a month starting in late February – of 2023 what are you guys uh what are you guys thoughts on this i literally like like i caught myself one day i'm just gonna be honest with you i was like i got i got i fell in love with t-mobile on one of their commercials and i think i was annoyed at AT at&t pissed me off about something and i was like i think i'm gonna switch to t-mobile and then i remembered i was like wait a minute i was like no i'm not i was like they get hacked like every other month so you know, I, I didn't switch to T-Mobile because of this, but it's, a you know, but I did make a decision not to move to T-Mobile because of this, even though I feel like they're making headway into market share against AT&T yeah. and Verizon. Yep. The third, yeah, third largest. And um, these people, they, again, follow the same. Well, this is, we haven't seen this in a while, but it says the incident affected only 836 customers. Um and we, we've seen this over and over again where they lowball the number. They're like, hey, nothing to see here. And later on, it's going to be, you know, like what? It was like something uh, X millions or whatever. So one of them was 37 million. Yeah. That was yeah. the previous one. But, um, you know, if if Andre is correct, that's 
really bad if T-Mobile right. it ends up only being 836 after all the dust settles then it's good that they've put in some things in place to help them be aware when incidents happen and then basically limit the blast radius if you will you know um so they basically came out and so the reason this made the news is because it, it was 836 people yes but at the end of the day it was the information that was obtained by these people by these criminals um that was the concern right so they basically said they didn't gain access to call records uh, or financial account information, but what was exposed could be used to yep. steal somebody's identity. Um, what was exposed was full name, contact information, account number, associated phone numbers, T-Mobile, account pin. Yeah, stop so, on that one for a second. Yeah, I'm going to because... read them off and then we'll go. Social security number. Government ID, date of birth, balance due, internal codes that T-Mobile uses to service customer accounts, uh, and the number of lines. So go ahead, Randy. Well, let's, so let's talk about what that what that pin can be used for. Well, think about it. We we have said in two years, probably a hundred times, if not five hundred times, don't reuse your passwords. Okay. But just like among the three of us here, do you use a completely different pin every time you need a four-digit pin? You know, you need one for your credit card. You need one for your debit mm -hmm. card. You need one. Maybe your bank makes you have one on your phone or maybe T-Mobile has one when you log in. Are we all using, do people use different pins at every single account? Like, I don't think so. Mine are, I have, I have a, probably a you know not not just one but i have several but i'm not using a different pin on all you know 300 accounts i have on Randy's on pin page. is one 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 exactly <laughs> no i used that till they told me it was a breach so i moved to two 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 so <laughs> no, you didn't wow tell me before they catch you didn't up tell with me, me. but you know what i mean like yeah i mean absolutely uh you know using it for informational purposes and doing cross, you know, account at, you know, brute force attacks with this information is certainly a concern. But my concern is, is like, I can SIM swap with this information. Yep. I could 100% call T-Mobile if I have swap. this information and SIM swap, which means I'm taking the SIM from your phone and I'm putting it to my phone so then I can get your two-factor codes assuming you send them the text message, which we tell you on this show not to do anymore because it's just a bad idea. But that's the scarier part to me is like you basically have 800 people on. Thank God it's only 800 where these people could literally have their phone, basically their phone number taken from them or, or, or duplicated to another device, which is not good. <clears throat> so um, and then the other stuff is, is like, you know, you could you could literally call up and, and have the information change on this account as well. So there's a lot there's a lot of different avenues for a cyber criminal to yep. take over these accounts based on this information, let alone 
you know, being able to apply for other things like credit cards and loans in other people's names based on the information that was found in, in this data set. So not good. I mean, they need to do a better job here and they, they, you know, they are a growing company. I get it. And they want to compete with two really large companies, but at the end of the day, when it comes to cybersecurity, they are just piss poor. I mean, they don't even compete with AT&T and Verizon when it comes to security. Um, and I really just think that like, like I think of all the stuff I have on my phone guys, like, like, you know, I, I, I dread the day I ever lose my phone or drop it in the toilet or, you know, drop it in the bottom of a river, you know, cause I, I got a lot of things on my phone that I need to access stuff. You know, I got all my two factor codes on my phone, right? If I don't have my phone, I'm not logging into a lot of stuff and it's going to take me a while to have to get through that process. Um, I just like, I really like, I really want people to really think about who they use for their cell phone provider based on the fact that if you're like me and you keep a lot of valuable stuff on that phone, you really don't want to have your provider being the reason that somebody was able to hack your phone or get some information that allowed them to then gain further access to your email or to some other account that, you know, you don't want somebody else getting into. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, or am I kind of overthinking that? I agree, but unfortunately, if we if we had a poll option right now and and polled all our viewers, if you know, are you considering to to go to T-Mobile or will this prevent you from going to T-Mobile? Being this compromise happen, I don't think people are going to care. Yeah, I just think that people make decisions, and I guess my point was there is that people make decisions around who they use for these types of services, primarily based on price. Yep. Or whether they can get a free new iPhone or something like that, you know, um, if they sign up or switch. Um, and, and I think people really need to, to make this more of a priority as into their decision making process around who they're going to trust with their information. I mean, I, I part of me is like I know people don't understand, like, what can be transmitted through a phone remotely. So I don't think people understand the breadth and depth of what can be obtained if you can compromise a phone or a service or something like that. And, you know, there's companies like AT&T who are actively looking on your device for compromises, right? And I know this for a fact. We use AT&T. I would highly recommend them from a cybersecurity standpoint. Yes, they're more expensive, but I'm willing to pay for that because I know when there's a problem with my service or my device and they suspect something suspicious is going on, they take action. Um, I don't know if T-Mobile does that. So I'm, I'm not a customer. I don't know, but I know I trust AT&T and I, and AT&T is considered to be one of the best cybersecurity companies in the world. Um, so, you know, I, I trust them highly. I don't know what you guys feel about that kind of stuff, but that's kind of my, my perspective. So, all right, Randy, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. You want to read this one out for us? Yeah. Which the next one? Yeah. The Western digital. All right. I'll read the article. So the gist um, is Western digital was hacked um, and the uh, hackers are leaking images 
um, basically to get a response out of them. It's part of their PSYOP operations. The ALF-V ransomware operation, a.k.a. Black Cat, has published screenshots of internal emails and video conferences stolen from Western Digital, indicating they likely had continued access to the company's systems even as the company responded to the breach. The leak comes after the threat actor warned Western Digital on April 17th they would hurt them until they can't stand it anymore if a ransom was not paid. Um, on March 26, Western Digital suffered a cyber attack where threat actors breached its internal network and stole company data. However, no ransomware was deployed and files were not encrypted. In response, the company shut down its cloud services for two weeks, including MyCloud, MyCloud Home, MyCloud Home Duo. Wow, I didn't know they did all that. Yeah. Wow, okay. TechCrunch first reported that an unnamed hacking group named uh, Breach Western Digital claiming to have stolen 10 terabytes of data. Damn. Yeah, so uh, that's what's going on. Like, I wonder how long that took to move. And Um, like... Like, like, so like my reaction, people just like, I, I you know, I, I want to explain why my reaction was damn. It takes a long time to move that amount of data. Number one. And number mm-hmm. two, if you can't detect Western digital, if you can't detect that somebody's taken 10 terabytes off your network in a short period of time, shame on you. Like Jesus. I mean, I mean, if that happened at my company, I'd get no work. And it's yeah. way less than 10 terabytes. I can tell you that. It's not like they're a hard drive company or something, right, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and just going back to Randy's pet peeve, when these tech companies like this that build hardware get hacked, it it, it, it creates supply chain paranoia. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think what was interesting with, um, in this article, Randy mentioned it, is that when they got comp- from the time they got compromised to the time they figured out how they get got in to the time of what are they going to do? The bad guys were in and just reading everything. They had full access to the full access to everything. So that's kind of embarrassing. It's kind of like, you know, someone broke into your house and now you're looking around and, and they're still in your, they're, they're still, they're still in your camera system. They're still watching everything. So it's scary. And it's, it's also um, sad that they didn't have any uh, prevention measures on this. They also said they got into their SAP back office and stole mm-hmm. that information, which is financial information. Um, and so what are your, I just want to get your guys uh, opinions and thoughts around this not being ransomware and them just stealing the data. This is something I talked about is, well, I think one of my predictions for 2023, when we talked about like what's going to happen in 2023, back in 2022, I said, we're going to see a lot less extortion demands revolving around non-ransomware events or something to that effect. Um, and here we are with a very large company being taunted by Alf-V or, or Black Cat, whatever you want to call them, and there's no ransomware deployed. <clears throat> so do you think this is going to work, guys? Do you think this is? Do you think they're just going to kind of move on and, and let – what they have be leaked if it gets leaked. So what, or do you think they're going to end up caving to these, to these demands? Well, being Western digital, as we kind of joke is a hard drive company. I think the, the hackers are realizing that they have good backup systems, so they can't, you know, they can't lock their files and 
what we would think, right, Brian? <laughs> you, 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 I, mean, you, I don't think I, no, I, I, yeah, going back to what I said earlier in the show, like we yeah. always find something. That's my brain. Yeah. Like, I'm, okay, I'm, okay, I'm, yeah. So I'm you probably, probably did a, a risk assessment on Western Digital. We probably find out that there's issues with their, their backup procedure. Oh, I guarantee it. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, so, so maybe the, um, the attackers are thinking that, hey, they, they've already got their, their backups down packed and let's try to hit them a different way. By embarrassment. I'm thinking maybe they just couldn't deploy ransomware. Maybe they had okay. something in place that they were aware that if we deploy ransomware, it's not going to, it's, it's going to get caught or you know, it's going to get stopped. Yeah. You know? um, so they didn't even try. So they, so they're like, let's just steal the data and then try to extort them out of the money. But 10 terabytes is a lot of data. I mean, I wouldn't like, there had to be a reason why they didn't deploy ransomware. I can't believe it. I can't imagine that this is a new tactic because what, I don't think they're going to get paid. Why would you pay them? Well, they still had access even while company emails were going back and forth. That's so the thing. That's the thing. Like they might have, they might have back doors back upon back doors that they know mm -hmm. unless they take this whole entire network down, they're never getting us out of here. Right. And that might be why they didn't deploy ransomware. Like, Hey, right. let's not deploy it. Right. You know, it ties up our customer service operations once they pay having to clean it up. So let's just try to extort them first. Um, and then well, I just think happens. they know they can deploy ransomware at a later date if they want to. Mm. Let's just let's yes. just let's just kind of like let's just kind of smack them around a little bit. Let's like not knock them out completely. Let's smack them around a little bit and see if we can get paid. Because I they there's got to be something that they know. Like they they're like they're never getting us out of here unless they completely take down all their systems and wipe everything. Right. So we're going to be in here for as long as we need to be. And we'll just keep, you know, as, as they keep fighting us, we'll keep ratcheting up what we show them. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they'll deploy ransomware. How crazy will it be if like in two weeks we're like, oh, Western Digital is now reporting they have ransomware. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't be surprising. But no. That's where I see this going. That's where I see it going. Um. Interesting, like kind of like politics going back and forth. The, the original, you know, threat actor said he wasn't affiliated with Alpha V, but then, then they appeared on their dark leak webs, uh, dark, uh, dark leak site on the dark web, which is just like, what is going on there? Like, are they just messing around with people, or did they reach out to did Alf did Alpha V reach out to this guy and say, hey, come work with us now? Um, we can probably get you more money. Who knows? Yeah. Um, interesting stuff though. So good one. Andre has to go. All right. Andre <laughs> has to go everybody. So we're going to wrap up the show. Um, it was a good one. <laughs> That's funny. We did have another article there, right? Yeah. I deleted yeah. it and put that. <laughs> That's perfect. Cause we don't have time to do it. The other article. That's right. So. Guys, um, thanks. Thanks for your, uh, for your time. And, uh, Remember, share the show. We'll see everyone next week. Take yeah, and, and the following week, uh, in two weeks, we're going to be live in person, too. So that'll be fun. So, oh, but, nice. Fun yeah, times. I won't, I won't be there. So. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, Andre and I will be sitting next to each other in the basement conference room or wherever, like we had to in Orlando. Yep. And then we'll uh, Zoom you in. All right.
Cool. See you guys. All right. Bye. Bye.